This is the Darren Paltrowcast with Darren Paltrowitz. I've been interviewing musicians, comedians, and all sorts of entertainers for almost 20 years. Joan Rivers, Flavor Flav, Paris Hilton, members of Guns N' Roses and the Eagles, and countless others. This show is about artists and why they do what they do. On episode 11 of the Paltrowcast, I spoke with three artists from very different backgrounds, John Spencer, Chris Barron, and strongman Hafthor Bjornsson. First up is my chat with John Spencer, whose latest album is Spencer Sings the Hits. Spencer is currently on the road in support of the album. Did you have the title first, or when in the process did you come up with the title? Uh, as a matter of fact, I did have the title first. Um, the, a friend of mine, uh, a local uh, writer, um, guy, uh, guy named by the name of Todd Hansen, uh, he's one of the guys that started the Onion, a satirical newspaper. He a couple of years ago told me uh, that he had a an idea for an album title and uh, that I should call do an album record called Spencer Sings the Hits. And I think, and he even described what it should look like to cover and everything. And uh, but I think his uh, concept was that it would actually be kind of um, like a crooner record, you know, like a genuine pop hits or something. Uh, so I, I liked the title, and I used that, and I didn't take, I didn't take the uh, the cover concept or the uh, or the actual uh, concept for the for the content and the mute the album itself, um, but. Yeah, the credit uh, goes to Todd Hansen, and that's why he's the executive producer uh, of Spencer Shanks the Hits. Um, so I had the title first. How long did you spend actually making the album? Did you write any of it in the studio? No, I wrote the songs by myself, which is not typical for me. Uh, usually, I, I, I write with other people. I, I like to collaborate. Um, but when you know, I, I didn't have a band. Uh, the Blues Explosion has kind of stopped. Uh, Heavy Trash had kind of stopped. And I wanted to have a band, uh, but so instead of trying to find people and putting a band together, I figured I'll just, you know, make a record, uh, do do that first. So I, I wrote all the songs all by myself last summer, and then we tracked the record out in uh, Michigan at the Key Club Recording uh, Company in Benton Harbor, and that the sessions were in uh, October of uh, uh, 2017, last uh, yeah, last fall. And those sessions got cut short because my father-in-law passed away. And so then I had to go back out in January to uh, to finish the record. It didn't take that long to make. And, and you know, it, it actually been in the can for some months before it, uh, you know, it actually before the, the, uh, the record was released. Well, are you the kind of guy that writes every day or every week? Or do you just need a project to write for? I, I'm not the kind of guy that's writing every day and every week. Um, I mean, I used to be kind of always keeping notes about, you know, some idea hit me, I, you know, make some kind of record of it, uh, you know, to, to some kind of write scribble to something down or even try to make an audio recording. Uh, but I, 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 I stopped doing that. You know, I kind of figure if the, if the idea is good enough, it'll come back again. So do you have a favorite song on the album? Well, you know, there are songs which I definitely, you know, really, really liked when I was you know, making the record, writing when I was writing, and then the change for when I was, you know, <laughs> mixing the record, then it's changed since we started playing the songs live. 
Um, yeah, I think that, you know, I was real happy with the way, say, Beetle Boots came out. Uh, I, um, and since we've been touring and playing Circuit Live now, a song like uh, Ghost is, is a real, uh, you know, uh, it's very satisfying to play live. And, and it always seems to uh, strike an, uh, you know, a chord with the audience. Yeah, so, you know, I don't, that, that's kind of par for the course, you know, you, you have things go in and out of favor. Um, but I should stress that it's, it, it, it's, that there, it's not like there are songs which I am unhappy with. Uh, um, I, I wouldn't put them on the record if I didn't think they were up to snuff. Did you entirely make the album independently or did you have a record company or somebody that you knew was going to put it out uh, at some point? Uh, I, I just went ahead and did it. Uh, I didn't have any deal with, uh, uh, with, with any record label or company beforehand. I just, uh, um, just did it, paid for it myself. So having made a solo album like this, do you now want to make a band album or are you just taking things as they come? The Spencer Sings Hits is not, you know, it's not me all by my lonesome in the studio. I didn't want to, uh, you know, uh, have it be something like that. I wanted to have some, some other players in there. So there are two guys that are there uh, on the record with me. Um, Sam Coombs, who's uh, uh, from Portland, Oregon, and, and people know him uh, most of all from the band Quasi. Uh, Sam plays the keys. He plays the synthesizer bass. And um, the drummer's a uh, guy, Michigan guy by the name of M. Sword. And Sword uh, is, uh, lives in Kalamazoo, Michigan, and he's somebody I, I got to know from previous sessions at the key club um i've done a couple other records at that studio and sword for a period of time was was sort of working as the uh, studio handyman so he's someone i got to know and 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 got to you know learn that he was a, a a great drummer so when i was making plans to go out to the key club to to record this album it seemed to you know be convenient and make make sense to, to hit up sword to see if you want to play on it so Sam and, and Sword, you know, even the songs were, were already written, you know, everything was kind of in place before the sessions. Um, you know, they, they, they bring a lot of character, a lot of personality to the record and uh, are responsible for, uh, you know, uh, the, uh, the, uh, a good, you know, chunk of why the record sounds the way it does. The, uh, we have a tour star on January 11th. Uh, as far as, I mean, we're, we're playing in, in New York City at Rough Trade in Brooklyn on the 31st. We, uh, we, we have a, uh, you know, a, a tour on all through January and into February. Uh, Sam and Sword are, are, you know, are, 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 are part of the live band as well. And uh, we're joined by a fourth member, my old friend Bob Burt, who was in Pussy Galore with me. So this is kind of like a new uh, project for me, you know, a new band. And um, I guess you asked what, what I'd like to do next. Uh, uh, and, and so, yeah, yeah I guess it, it, I'd like to, to make another record record. Uh, uh, it, with this new project, and 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 I'd like to very much to continue working with these these guys, and um, and we have, as I mentioned, the tour dates in January, and and then we're going to have we have you know uh, more stuff overseas coming up later in 2019. So when you were coming up with the album, did you know in the back of your mind that you'd be doing synth bass or that kind of thing as opposed to traditional bass? Yeah, that was uh, uh, the concept in my head before uh, going into this. Um, uh, yeah, I, I wanted to have bass, but I didn't want to have traditional rock and roll electric stern bass guitar. So I wanted to use synthesizer. So that was something made up in my mind beforehand. Also, you know, uh, the I knew that I had the concept, uh, uh, the desire, if you will, to use metal percussion. That was something that was uh, formulated in advance. 
And I think the general, you know, vibe of the record as far as a kind of a, 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 a 60s punk sound with the electric guitar, uh, a lot of fuzz and, and, you know, very simple lines, very crude. Um, so all of that stuff was, was, you know, it was in my head. I could hear it. And, um, yeah, it was, so it was, uh, it, it was thought out in advance. And for somebody coming to see you live on the upcoming dates, are you playing anything besides tracks from the new album? We'll play everything from the album. In addition to that, we will play uh, a couple songs from some. We'll play songs from some of my uh, uh, earlier uh, groups. Uh, a couple of Pussy Galore songs, some Blues Explosion songs, uh, Heavy Trash songs, and we have a, a few covers we, we like to kick around. Going back to my question when I asked how often you write, if you're not writing that often, do you have any other creative outlets? <laughs> I, I suppose uh, music is the main thing. Um, that, that's really the main one. I, yeah, I, I mean, you know, I, I design. You know, I do uh, some. You know, if if we need a shirt design or we need a uh, like a, the album jacket design, you know, I, I, I take care of that stuff. So, uh, you know, there's there's some sort of, some graphic uh, um, graphic stuff, graphic work that happens occasionally. Um, but no, I suppose mu music is, uh, is, is the main outlet. For somebody that's even been following you for 20, 25 years, all pe people pretty much know about you is the music. Is there something that you wish more people knew about John Spencer? No, not really. I, I'm, I, you know, I'm sort of a, <laughs> sort of a reserved person. And, you know, and, uh, you know, there's, uh, I guess there, you know, if I'm playing a show, I'm playing a show and, and, and there is a, there's a performance there. And I guess uh, if I'm not playing a gig, I'm not on stage, then, then I'm, 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 you know, uh, uh, yeah, uh, kind of a, it's, there's a different side of me. And uh, I guess I'm even a little bit shy. Uh, so um, I, I'm really happy just being a kind of private, uh, you know, individual. When I started playing in bands many years ago, you know, we didn't have the internet. Now these days, you know, everybody, social media is such a thing. And uh, I try to promote, you know, tour dates and, and, and putting out a record through things like Facebook and Instagram and, and Twitter. And, you know, it's, it, 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 it's okay. But if, if for me, it's just a means to an end. It's not like I really want to share my, 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 you know, my, you know, day-to-day -day activities or my innermost thoughts to strangers through, uh, on, uh, online through these social media platforms. Um, well, I suppose maybe it would be good as far as promoting a brand, but I'm just not really into that. You know, I don't want people, I don't really feel the need or I have no desire to, to share information such as, you know, oh, what kind of waffles I'm having for breakfast or what's my opinion about, you know, this, this author's new book or, or you know, you know the, the weather today or... There's not really anything that I want to get out there, no. Uh, so, uh, in closing, any last words for the kids? For the kids? Um, well, uh, vote as soon as you can. Vote. And, uh, you know, uh, be, be kind to people um, and try to take care of each other. And, and, and you know, uh, the, the, when, let's you know, try to make things better. Because uh, 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 we only got this, this one chance and this one planet. You know, let's not screw it up. Next up is my chat with Chris Barron, a solo artist also known for his work with the Spin Doctors. 
Chris's latest solo album is 2017's Angels and One-Armed Jugglers, while the Spin Doctors recently celebrated their 30th anniversary with the show at Brooklyn Bowl in New York last month. So the first thing to ask you about is your solo album. Did you have any material that you would record for that album that you were thinking of doing on, on another album, or is that your only solo album for a while? Um, yeah, I haven't, made a, I haven't made a solo record in quite a while. I had a pretty big backlog of material when I, when I started making the record. Uh, all those songs um, were uh, pretty much written when I set out to make the record. So yeah, no, uh, that stuff was all written. <clears throat> were, were there leftovers that you think that you might put towards a future EP or another solo album? I've always got tons and tons of of um, songs kicking around and pieces of songs kicking around and lyrics and, and riffs and chord progressions. And, and sometimes, you know, I'll just write a song from soup to nuts as I sit down to write it. But a lot of times I just sort of have like, um, you know, it's kind of like Frankenstein's laboratory. I've got like, you know, brains and jars and, you know, different pieces of songs kind of, uh, you know, lying around. And, and sometimes, um, you know, I'll come across one of those things like much later and it'll be sort of obvious how to finish it. And sometimes I'll just Frankenstein a bunch of stuff together and it'll make a, a pretty cool song. And did that ever lead you to wanting to write for other artists? You know, I've, I've done some writing for other artists. I've, I've, I've gone down to Nashville and done some songwriting uh, down there and, and, um, um, the blues traveler have, uh, have, uh, cut a song of mine. And I think I got a couple other things cut here and there. Oh, uh, Morgan James cut a couple of my tunes and yeah, I've had some tunes that were cut, um, by other people. It's, it's not like a, a huge pursuit of mine. It's always nice when people, um, cut your songs because then you, uh, <laughs> you know, we're not doing pretty much work. You got somebody out there, you know, getting a song of yours uh, out there. And it's always nice to get that kind of mailbox money on something like that. But I, I mostly write for myself. I write for the Spin Doctors and I write for my solo stuff. And I, uh, it, it's a lot of work writing for other people. You know, it's, you only have so many hours in the day. So I'm kind of more into just writing for, for myself if I'm going to really put a lot of time into something. That being said, you know, it's always flattering and awesome when somebody cuts something that you've done. Right. Uh, so Spin Doctors, speaking of which, uh, just celebrated its 30th anniversary with the big show at Brooklyn Bowl. Uh, does that mean that the band is going into almost full-time mode again? Yeah, we've been uh, doing quite a few shows uh, together for a while now. Um, you know, it's the original members, and um, we uh, really enjoy playing together. And I think we've always had a remarkable musical rapport as a band, you know, and after 30 years, rather than that getting um, tired or, or boring, I think it's actually gotten more and more interesting over the years. We just have always been able to play together in this really sort of special, intuitive way. And uh, for your listeners out there who only know us for um, you know our hit songs, like Little Miss Can't Be Wrong and, and Two Princes, I think they'd be really surprised and psyched to see what uh you know what a strong live act we are right i remember that the spin doctors were one of the bands that was most synonymous with wetlands yet somehow you guys in the long term weren't synonymous with the jam band scene was that you know an organic thing or is that a conscious thing um i just think you know i don't think i don't think 
artists always have a lot of control over how they're perceived. And, um, you know, one of the, one of the things that happened with us was we just had this huge commercial success with Little Miss Can't Be Wrong and Two Princes. Two of our songs became far more famous than, um, maybe even the band itself. And, uh, so, you know, I think for the most part, we're known for those two songs. And yeah, I think that was sort of tricks of the industry, you know, that, that, that it just sort of fell out that way. We do a lot of improvising, um, live and, and, you know, we came up with all those guys with all those, with all those jam bands. So, I mean, those guys are our pals still to this day. Now, going back to the, the hit songs that you mentioned, you know, you're being very modest because there was other big, big hit songs besides those two, of course. And one thing I'm curious about is when you went from being one of the biggest bands ever to people don't want to know you to it's cool again. Did you know all along like, hey, I'm a musician or is there ever a moment of I might give this up? <laughs> no way. No, I uh, never considered giving music up I, it's it's never been like people didn't want to know us you know it was we were pretty pretty popular there for for a while and and but i've been you know i've been making a living a comfortable living playing music my entire adult life the the, the people have been following you are definitely aware of the fact that you still had major label albums plenty of years after the fact and all that but in your case, you never had any doubts that, you know, even if there wasn't millions of albums sold, you never had any doubts of continuing as a career musician? Never, no. None none whatsoever. And in the case of, you know, you overcame vocal paralysis, which is uh, uh, not a thing that everyone realizes, that also that didn't, you know, put a, d- a doubt in your long-term career? You know, if my voice hadn't come back, I'd have had to figure out a way to make a living without uh, singing. But, you know, so I, I did think about maybe, um, you know, doing more on the writing side of things. When I lost my voice two years ago, I, um, you know, I was like, oh, okay, maybe I'll write a novel. And, um, and then I ended up writing like a bunch of stanzas of this epic poem with this really complicated rhyme scheme that's sort of based on um, Homer's Iliad. And uh, so, I don't know. You know, I, I, I uh, I'm not really sure what I would do if, if I wasn't a musician, because I've really never given it any thought. I got some friends who um, are managers, and they say that if they have a potential client, they ask them, "Do you have a backup plan?" And if they say yes, that they do have a backup plan, they won't represent them because if there is something else you can do, if you could be a, you know, certified public accountant or a dental hygienist. Music is too hard. You will, you'll stop and you'll, you'll do that. If there's any other viable means of making a living, you'll stop doing music and you'll do it. I just don't have another viable, I don't, I got nowhere else to go and nothing else to do. So I've never considered anything else because I've never had a backup plan and, and I don't want one. Ultimately, is there something that you're proudest of in your career or is it the fact that you're still doing it the biggest accomplishment? When we opened up for the Rolling Stones years ago, Ron Wood and Keith Richards were really cool to me and, and to the band. And I was sitting there um, on the floor for some reason in, in the tuning room where I never saw anybody tune anything but a vodka and orange. And talking to Keith, you guys are having such a good time and he was like why else would you do it and i um you know in that moment i was like 27 years old like looking up at keith richards like the freaking pope of rock and roll and i was like you know i want to do this the rest of my life and um standing over me 
and like the Pope of rock and roll, like holds forth his hand and he goes like in a sign of benediction. And he's like, you will, man, you will. And I, I was, you know, I was like, okay, well I got that going for me. So yeah, I don't know. The thing I'm the most proud of in all of this is, you know, I've sort of always intended to always do this. I think the thing I'm the most proud of is like, uh, you know, I, I think people aren't really that interested in hearing about how much work um, this is. And I don't usually like emphasize that, you know, it, there's a lot of like sitting around in, um, in airports, just being lonely, missing, missing the people that you love, your wife, your kids, the cats, you know, and being in a lonely hotel room in Oslo, you know, um, during the holidays or just long grueling tours or crazy plane flights and then just having to like get off a plane and be fresh as a daisy and get on stage. And I think the thing I'm the proudest of is the work, the work ethic. You know, I, anybody who's done this for a long period of time knows that um, there's times where you might be going through something in your personal life, but you got to get out there on stage and you got a bunch of people who paid for a ticket and a bunch of people who maybe drove 10 hours or a bunch of people who um, got engaged to one of your songs or somebody who just really looks up to the band or has just been looking forward to this or, or has always wanted to see you live. And you can't, there's no excuses. You can't kind of stand by the water cooler the way you would at an office and, you know, have a cup of coffee and just tell everybody to leave you alone because you're grumpy this morning or this evening or whatever. You got to get out there and kind of give it your all. Um, no matter what and find it inside of yourself. So I think, I think I'm proud of that. I think I'm proud of the fact that I just really take this job. I don't take myself seriously, but I take music seriously. And I think that's what I'm the most proud of. Any last words for the kids? <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, if you want to be a musician, don't, don't neglect the fundamentals, you know, be, be, uh, be a real musician, practice hard. And, and uh, if you practice, you'll get better. Finally, our highlights from my interview with Hafdar Bjornsson, the world's strongest man who you probably also know from his role as the mountain on Game of Thrones. He recently worked with Crazy Glue for a very unique collaboration. Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Thanks for taking your time to uh, talk to me. First, want to ask, with working with Crazy Glue, did that require any additional training for you or doing anything that you don't normally do? So, uh, Crazy Glue is known for its strength. And I'm also known for my strength. And just one drop of crazy glue can hold a thousand pounds, which is crazy. I mean, I am the world's famous man, and I can hold just about a thousand pounds. It's quite impressive, and uh, I'm very happy to, to be working with them uh, for this project. And I'm also very excited. I have not um, had to uh, do anything. Uh, new that I'm not used to, obviously, because strength is uh, one of the things that I am very good at. And so is uh, Crazy Glue. Absolutely. And I was watching your YouTube channel, and I saw about two months ago you put up a video that you were doing a light week. I'm assuming that this is a heavy week for you? So, I mean, I challenged everyone to come there and um, see what's going to go down that day. Man, buff is glue. It sounds good. Uh, who or what was it that yeah. first got you into training? I've been active all my life. I grew up at a farm. My grandfather was a farmer for over 30 years. Uh, so I, as, as a child, I remember myself lifting up the rocks, uh, doing all kinds of um, uh, outdoor exercises. 
but I started, uh, I mean, at a young age, I was playing around with the weights. But I guess I was 17, 18 years old when I decided to take a break from basketball. So I played basketball at my younger years. Uh, tried to build up more muscles. And what inspired me to do so, I guess, was other inspirational um, athletes like Arnold Schwarzenegger and so on. And I know that you've competed in the Arnold Classic. Was that something that you uh, had applied to do or someone recruited you to compete there? At the Arnold Classic Festival in Columbus, Ohio, for example, that's one of the most hardest competition to qualify to. You have to uh, qualify yourself to be able to compete there. And it, it's, it's, it's very hard. So you have to compete in one of their shows to qualify to the Ohio one. The reason why I want, wanted to compete there was basically just because I competed in, I competed in Strongman and it's, it's, it's a very well-respected show and only the strongest ten in the world compete each year to find out who is the strongest. And I actually won that show this year. I placed first place. And after winning that show, if you win that show, you are interviewed by the Atlas Schwarzenegger himself, which is a unique moment by itself. You know, it's very, uh, for anyone in the fitness industry, it's a very special moment. Is it true that your competition at the Arnold Classic uh, led you to auditioning for the WWE? Well, they, WWE, they contacted me a couple of years ago, you know, and they wanted to see if I was interested in, um, you know, joining the WWE. But um, I, at that time, was already doing Game of Thrones, already competing in Strongman, doing very well there. And I kind of just liked what I was doing, and I didn't want to change my lifestyle. I didn't want to change... I mean, I like WWE, but it's very specific job. You're, doing, you're just traveling, 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 and just beating up some guys. And I want, want, want a little bit more different, like all the things going on in, in my life. I, I, wasn't willing to, I wasn't willing at that time to do that. Now, people in, in their professions or their industries are usually friendly with other people. They're not necessarily in competition. Are you able to be friends with a lot of other strongmen, or is there just too much competition? Yes, I am friends with uh, all the guys, but of course, when you're competing on the day, it can get sometimes heated up because we, we, we are all in the winning, you know. We have all put up so many hours, so much sweat, so much uh, so much of our time into being as strong as possible. I mean, it's just natural that um, guys get, you know, it, it can't get really heated in the moment, you know. So, so I read that uh, on December 15th, your goal is to set an all-time total record in powerlifting. Uh, can you tell me a little more about that? So, yeah, December 15th in Iceland, I am hosting with my friends uh, Post Powerlifting Challenge and um, I have won everything I can win in Strongman. I've won all the big shows. I won Arden Classic. Uh, I won the World Strongman competition. I won Euro Strongman. I won the title in Iceland. I Iceland Strongman eight times. I won basically everything I can win. All the biggest, best shows in the world in Strongman I've won. 
and all in the same year, which is quite impressive. Uh, I wanted to challenge myself and go out of my comfortable zone and do something different, you know, something that I'm not used to doing. And that was, for example, competing in powerlifting. I'm, I never compete in powerlifting. So this is a huge challenge for myself. I'm, I'm doing this mainly just to challenge myself to see how far I can push my my body. But I'm also doing it for fun, you know. I like training, I like lifting heavy things. I like to inspire other people, um, to show people not to be afraid, to show people that uh, if you want to try something, just go for it, do it without, you know, yeah, I'm just, you know, I'm just like right now, I'm, 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 uh, I'm, I'm 30 years old. I want to challenge myself in, in every way possible. And when you are training, uh, does music play an important role? Do you listen to specific music or artists when you are training? I mean, I have my playlist, you know, um, that I like to listen to. Um, I I do, yeah, but I don't think that people should very much. You are you have to be able to train with or without music, and you have to be able to train with any music. You know, it doesn't matter what it is, because on the day when you're competing, maybe you don't have the power to choose the music. I read that you also have your own vodka. Is that true, Icelandic Mountain Vodka? Yeah, so I have my own Icelandic Mountain Vodka and gin. And that's told worldwide as well. Interesting. Can you tell me about other projects that you have going on at the moment? Right now, I'm focusing on other things, like um, working with Crazy Glue, which I'm super excited to work with. You know, they're super strong. And, and actually, just one truck can hold up a 1,000 pounds. It's is super impressive because I'm the world's six man, and I can just hold up to a 1,000 pounds. Yeah, like I said, right now, I'm just focusing on being the world's first man, uh, competing in my sports, and um, doing crazy things with crazy people like Chris Kidd. Right, right. Now, the nickname, The World's Strongest Man, how does that make you feel when somebody like Mark Henry uses the, the, the nickname World's Strongest Man? Back in the days, uh, back in like 2000, 2001, he was the world's strongest man. He is super impressive, man. He, is, uh, he won the show the first year he won. Uh, the first year that Alvin Classic was being held, he won that competition. And he, he, and I'm not sure if people know that, but he was and is a super, super impressive guy. So ultimately, besides you being the world's strongest man and having a lot of projects, is there something that you wish more people knew about you as a person? I don't know. I'm just a regular guy, to be honest with you. I live my life, you know. I wake up every morning, I have breakfast, I have some emails, I, I uh, kiss my, my wife, good morning, I make a breakfast, and I'll, I'll start the day. So just a regular guy that's managing to be the world's strongest man. Yeah, I guess. I mean, when I say regular guy, I mean, I have a regular family, my, my family. I'm very close to my family, very close to my father, my mom, and my sisters. I have two sisters. I am actually the middle child. But yeah, if I look at myself, I, I, I do think I'm just a regular guy. That, I, mean, I mean, I might be doing, you know, crazy things, you know. And I, I mean, I, I, I've been successful in my life, you know. Uh, but that's, I think anyone can be successful. If you just, if you have a dream and you want to see if you want to do something, you know, you just have to put your mind to it. You have to believe. You have to put in work, you know. Being consistent, being, you know, you have to just put in the work. 
And that's what I've been doing for the past 10 years, 10 plus years. I've been putting in a lot of work. I've been very dedicated, eating my six meals every single day, training almost every day. And I've had to sacrifice a lot of things, you know. I haven't been partying, you know, I haven't been drinking, staying out late. Um, I I guess I can be sometimes a very boring husband because, you know, my wife might ask me, you know, can we go for a vacation? And and that that sentence makes me sometimes nervous because then I'm like, like, oh, man. Because I'm always thinking about training, eating, and just making sure I'm getting better. And vacation isn't about that. It's about, you know, relaxing, you know, enjoying each other, you know, and just take your mind of everything, just relax. I find that sometimes hard to do. And that's something that I'm trying to um, work on, obviously, to make everyone in my family happy. said a lot there. And usually I end my interviews by asking people if they have last words for the kids, you know, an inspirational thing. I think you just answered that whole thing. Awesome. I'm happy. I would love, love to have you, have you there to, um, to come and see me, you know, do some uh, crazy things, you know, with Crystal. I'm, I'm super excited to, you know, see what the challenge is. Thanks for listening to the Paltrowcast with Darren Paltrowitz on the Pure Grain Audio Network. More information on the Paltrowcast can be found online at www.puregrainaudio.com. Until next time, have a great Shabbos. Mm-hmm.